Good morning. Oh my gosh, that's why I love the second service so much better. Thank you. You guys got the extra hour of sleep plus one, right? Can I get an amen? Uh, this is the only uh, this is the only time change I don't ever advertise because it always works out to my favor as a pastor. People always make it to church on fall back weekend. It's the spring forward. Everybody comes in late, right? But you guys are all on time. I'm proud of you. This is a good day. And I might just close it up right now. Does that sound good? We'll go get some lunch. And uh, I hear Pastor Joe's buying, so it's going to be a good time. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Man, are you guys ready to do this? We're stoked about this series. It's called Shouts. And uh, what we're doing is hitting a, a pretty big topic, especially for this season, right? We're rapidly approaching the holidays. For some of you, Christmas nuts, uh, Halloween was the break where you start listening to Christmas music. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's way too soon, but it's coming soon. At least Thanksgiving. Get to Thanksgiving, and then you can start listening. But we're approaching the holidays, right? We've got Thanksgiving coming up. Uh, which is all about eating and not about thankfulness, but we're excited about it. And I'm just seeing if you're with me this morning. Uh, we got we got Thanksgiving, we got Christmas coming. And listen, here's the challenge: with holidays, it, it evokes so many different emotions in so many of us. There are so many great things that the holidays remind us of. We get excited about or look forward to spending time with family and close loved ones. And then for some of us, the holidays evoke the opposite. It's a reminder of what we don't have or what we haven't accomplished or who won't be here this holiday season because of the loss that we experienced a few months back. And so the holidays literally, they evoke so many different emotions with so many people being raised in broken families and experiencing broken marriages. Man, holidays do just the opposite. And so we thought leading up to this holiday season, why don't we dive into a topic that is challenging for all of us? And that is the topic of pain. How do I explore and navigate through the pain that I am or I have experienced? I'm not talking about the pain that you experience for leg day at the gym when you can't walk up the stairs because you're just like, you know what I'm talking about? When you get out of bed and you just collapse instantly because you can't move. And, and so I'm not talking about that kind of pain. I'm talking about the kind of pain that's deep-rooted, uh, that's experienced because of walking through a trial or a season that is overwhelming. And that's what this series is about. And the name of the series, Shouts, is derived from a quote from one of my favorite authors. If you're a reader, which you should be, readers or leaders, if you're a reader, um, that's, you can quote that, it's fine. I didn't make that up. If you're a reader, uh, you should check out C.S. Lewis. And this is the quote that the, the series is based on. And this is what it says. We can ignore even pleasure. So even the greatest things in life, the things that we're enjoying, we can actually ignore them uh, to a certain extent. But pain insists on, upon being attended to. God whispers to us, in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pains. The reason we titled this series Shouts is because I actually believe the majority of humanity believes or feels that God is absent in their pain. In fact, it's in the deepest, darkest times and seasons of our life that I think if we were honest, most people would say, I don't know where God is. I don't know how to see God in the midst of this. But friends, I just want to tell you that the opposite is true. That God is shouting to us in the midst of our pain. 
but some of us just don't know how to see it or how to recognize it. I, f- I love this, this passage of scripture. It's Psalms 23. Most of you probably have it memorized. It's, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. He restores my soul. That just means he brings peace. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. And some of us have journeyed or ventured through what feels like the shadow of death. And that could be a myriad of reasons. But I want to tell you, friends, over the course of the next four weeks, we're going to unpack how you and I can actually see God in the midst of our darkest and deepest pain. And more importantly, begin to understand what it is he wants to do through our pain. Can we do that? Let's just pray to get this started off today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? My favorite service of the Movement Church, second service. Let's do this. God, we thank you that you're here in this moment. We thank you that you're doing something in our life. We thank you that you're speaking. No, God, we thank you that you're shouting to us, even in the midst of our pain. So God, today we open our hearts and our ears to hear and receive whatever it is that you have to say. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. This is one of those Sundays where the moment I got to the podium, I realized I should have used the restroom before I got here. (laughs) That's the truth. I'm in pain right now. So this is going to be a very fast message. The title of this sermon is, What the Heck? Turn to your neighbor and say, What the Heck? Yeah, now you're with me. What the heck? You ever just been in a siege? You're like, what the heck? Are you freaking kidding me right now? What? You know, I, I was going to title it something different, but I knew some of you would judge me harshly, even though you would have said something different than the word heck. But that's, I just, that's for you church folks. So what the heck is the title of my sermon today? Because sometimes when you're walking through, man, it's just too much. It's just overwhelming, right? And, and I think the first question that comes to mind or the first thing that we think is, God, are you even here anymore? Did you do this, God? You're all powerful. You're all knowing. You're supposedly all loving. Did you do this to me? Did you cause this pain in my life? And friends, I want to tell you right now, you need to know that God did not cause your pain. He did not cause your pain. God created a perfect world. He created a perfect world with no climate change issues, No Democrat versus Republican, nothing. A perfect world. And get this, he created a perfect humanity. We're talking no flaws. The best body after eating everything you could possibly want, it was there. Can somebody say amen? No sickness, no death, no pain. Perfect. And in this, he filled this perfect world with his perfect presence. And let me just tell you, the presence of God changes everything. When God shows up in a powerful way, you cannot deny it. You cannot mistake it. You just know, beyond the shadow of a doubt, God is here. And then he filled this world with perfect love. And the embodiment of perfect love is to say, you know what? You have a choice. He did not make us robots. That's my dance move. You're welcome. 
That's about as funny as I'm going to get today. So just, just brace, embrace that and laugh hard because that's it. He did not create us as robots making us do or breathe or say or speak specific things. But he said, no, you actually have choice. You get to choose if you want to love me or not. You get to choose if you want to obey me or not. The earth is yours. You can do with it whatever you want. The animals are not afraid of you and they will not attack you. So you can hang with lions and chimpanzees and there's no problem. In fact, you name them. It is yours. The only thing you can't do is eat from the fruit of that tree. Do you see the 8 billion trees around you with the amazing fruit and everything you want? You can have all all of that, but don't eat from that tree. Why? Because God loved us so much, he gave us choice. That is love. If you make someone love you, they are not loving you, they are slaves. And God gave us choice in a perfect world with perfect humans. And bless the Lord, running around naked. That's my dream. Just throwing that out there right now, second service. That's my dream. Thank you, Adam and Eve. You messed it up for everybody. Megan, you can't say thank you for that. Goodness gracious. I thought that was your dream too, baby. Come on. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> we had choice. And what happened? We chose poorly. To coin a phrase from Indiana Jones. We chose poorly. And they couldn't handle it. They couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't take it. All the fruit, everything they needed, everything at their fingertips. In fact, God showed up in the cool of the day to walk with them through the garden. Come on. Every day. And they couldn't handle it. And they chose to eat from the tree that God said, don't eat from. And guess what? Pain entered the world. Death entered the world. Chaos, confusion, strife, anxiety, everything. It entered the world through humanity, not God. God did not cause your pain. We did. We did. So how do we navigate through it? How do we see God in it? And is it possible that God could be doing something through it? Any of you ever had an older sibling in here? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, cool. Any of you ever been an older sibling? Raise your hand. I, I am. Yes. Okay. Any of you never had a sibling and you just feel left out right now? Okay. Oh, we're so. We, I, we'll be your older brother and sister. So, listen. I, I was raised one of seven kids. My mom and dad liked to have babies and make babies and did that very well. And uh, one of seven kids. And my oldest brother, actually my only older brother, ten years older. So, you, you know, listen. I talked about it before. That just means torture and Hades sometimes. And so, whenever we would go swimming, I don't know what this is. Even if you you don't have an older sibling. When you go swimming and there's a child that's larger or older than you, there's one thing they like to do, and that is to take you and grab you and dunk you underwater because that's hysterical. We call that torture in other parts of the world, but not when kids are playing in a pool, apparently. So my brother would do that. He would actually grab me and wrap me up in a bear hug. He's like six foot 20 and, you know, massive, and I'm six foot fat but good looking, so it's okay. And he would wrap me up in a bear hug, and then he would drop down to the bottom of the pool and just look at me with an evil face. And I'm screaming, bubbles are coming out of my mouth. And I, I'm, you know, literally, it felt like an eternity, but it's probably three and a half to seven seconds, right? I'm going to be okay. But in my mind, as a seven, eight-year-old, I'm thinking I'm about to die. Water is probably getting close to filling my lungs. This is a horrible pain. I can't breathe. And just when I think I'm about to die, he lunges up and we break out of the water and I go, Boo! 
And I take a deep breath only for him to do what? Take me right back underwater again, right? And the pain that comes in is overwhelming, piercing my lungs. I'm wondering if I'm going to die, but I know I'm not going to. But fear collapses in and it hurts so bad that I can't even contain it. And that is exactly how I felt Sunday night, April 26th. The day that my father passed away. I got a phone call at 5.15 a.m. My brother called me to let, my, let me know my dad had gone home to be with Jesus. And then a, a flash takes place and I'm on the stage preaching three hours later, four hours later. I don't know what I preached. I don't know how I made it through. It was a blur. And we go home and some of you brought lunch over. I don't even know what I ate. I don't even know how I breathed that day, to be honest with you. I don't know how I was functioning. I don't know what I drank, what I was wearing. I don't remember anything. Because then we're having conversations on the phone with my brothers and sisters about planning a funeral. And my dad just passed away five hours early. And we just tore down after church. And it was this overwhelming come up for breath only to go right back under in my lungs and everything hurting. I did not even know what it was. Making plans, buying plane tickets, arranging transportation, wondering where to stay. And and it's just this whirlwind of life. I'm even shaking now thinking about it. We get to bed at about 9.30 or 10 and it hits. Like somebody taking a bat to your gut. It hurt so bad. I, I never knew. I didn't know emotions could hurt. Like physical pain. Come up for air. Only to go right back under again. And I don't know what's going to happen. Or how I'm going to face tomorrow. I'm just thinking I want to go to sleep. I want to go to sleep. So I can wake up tomorrow and try to figure this out. And it hurt. So bad. That's pain. That's pain. And some of you know that pain. Some of you know the pain of losing a loved one because that's what loss does. It's overwhelming, that sense of pain. But it isn't just when a loved one passes away. Pain comes in many shapes and in many forms. It could be the loss of a home, a dream home that you had. And you had to, for whatever reason, sell it or you got kicked out of it or You no longer could live there. It could be the loss of a pet. And that might seem silly to some of you, but to others it's a very real loss. You can remember the 15 years with this pet, 13 years, and and it's no longer here. For some it could be the loss of a dream. A dream that maybe God birthed in you, or a dream that you had of of starting a company and you started it and it tanked. And you shut the doors, declared bankruptcy, or whatever it might have been. Or maybe it's the dream of having a child or another child. You've been praying about it and praying about it and praying about it and trying. And you've been to doctors and specialists week after week. And every month on cue, it's like a death sentence that this will never happen. That pain fills in like an overwhelming, like coming up for air only to go right back under again. Sometimes it's not just loss. Sometimes it's people. Nobody walks down the aisle and stands at an altar 
wearing uncomfortable clothes, spending inordinate amounts of money, inordinate amounts, I don't know if that's the right word, a lot of money, hiring a photographer and eating a cake that's really not that great no matter how you spin it, hoping to one day get a divorce. I can't wait. Everyone walks down that aisle with big dreams and big hopes and they share the words of until death do us part. And yet for some of us, it's not the case. It's not the loss of a life, but it's the loss of a friend. The constant reminder of a broken heart. Disappointment. Sometimes pain is because of our consistent poor choices. Just over and over and over and over again. We keep doing the same foolish things. And we get the same results only as weeks pass and months pass. The collateral damage grows. And maybe that's what leads to the point of divorce. Or the loss of a job or a career or a home. God doesn't cause your pain. Usually it's people. But regardless of, and it's not always a bad thing. Man, my dad, I love my dad. He loved the Lord, was an amazing man, married to the same woman for 45 years, prayed for me every Tuesday morning. And every Tuesday morning, I remember my dad's not here praying anymore. I don't get to control when that pain surfaces. Sometimes I'm I'm on Facebook and my brother, whose wife just got pregnant, it's exciting But he remembers that my dad won't be here for the birth of that child. And then that knucklehead posted it on his wall on Facebook. So I'm reading it while I'm in the restroom, just weeping like a baby. It's Transparent Sunday, sorry. It comes in so many different ways. And it hurts so stinking bad. And so how do we navigate through this thing? How? 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 Some of you in this room right now, you can identify with words that I'm saying because you feel it so real. In fact, some of you might be at a point of despair that you've given up because the pain is so overwhelming that you've just decided to be better to go numb to it and leave it alone because I can't tolerate it anymore and I don't think it's ever going to change. But I don't think that's God's plan for you. I don't think that's all that God has. I don't think that's all she wrote. In fact, I think there's so much more for you. I think God wants to do something in you and through you. And I know this because Christ can identify with every single pain that we have ever experienced. That's why God sent him to take the form of a man. So he could know hurt and loss and temptation and pain. We read a scripture. In fact, many of you, if you grew up in the church, you probably memorized this passage of scripture. It's Jesus wept. That's it. Get some movement bucks. You won. In fact, you'll probably remember it for the rest of your life. Jesus wept. But the verse is talking about Jesus who found out that his best friend Lazarus had passed away. He's talking to Lazarus' sister and she's telling the story and the people around him are weeping. And the author felt so moved that he wrote down that Jesus wept. Why? Because Jesus was experiencing loss. Jesus knows betrayal. He had 12 close friends called the disciples and three of them were even closer than the others and one of those three was named Peter. 
And Jesus, on the last day of his life, was telling them, hey, here's the things that are going to happen to me. Here's what's going to go in, happen in my life and what I'm going to go through. I'm going to die, and they're going to come after you. And Peter said, I'll go with you to the death. And Jesus said, I'm telling you the truth. Before this day is over, you'll deny me three times. And he did. And then there's that other guy named Judas. Nobody names their kids Judas. Why? Because of the association of the name. Everybody knows what Judas did. He betrayed Jesus to death. So he knows every pain, every hurt that you have ever experienced. And I believe that's important for us to remember because it's God kind of saying, hey, hey, guess what? I'm still here. I'm still here. In fact, it's important for you to know if you don't hear anything else, you need to know that God is present in your pain. God is present in your pain. He's present in your pain. In everything that you're walking through, in everything that you go through, God is present in your pain. Sometimes he's present through the means of refinement. And he's refining you through the relationships with people that are hurting you the most. And I know it seems like an evil God. And I'm not saying it's, a, it's excusing poor behavior. But no, God will take that very moment, that very situation and refine something amazing inside of you like compassion. Like kindness. Like patience. If you have, ch- if you have children, you know what I'm talking about when I say refining patience in you through kids. BTW, that means, uh, by the way, uh, BTW, don't ever pray for patience. It's bad news bears, okay? He's also refining us through self-control. And it's odd that those are the very things that are called the fruits of the Spirit, which are the identifying qualities of somebody who says, I am a Christ follower. So he's present, and sometimes, it's not fun, but sometimes he's using the things you're walking through to refine something in you. But also, he's present with you because his promise is that in every situation, in all things, according to James 4, 8, if you will draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Through the midst of everything that you're walking through, through the midst of everything that you go through, If you'll draw near to God, he will draw near to you. If this is a representation of who God is, as you take a step towards him in the midst of what's going on, guess what? He's coming closer to you. And the closer you get to this, all of a sudden, all of your viewpoint begins to center into the closeness and the proximity of who God is. And his presence is there in your life. And it just takes one step at a time. And God gets so close that you may not see him, but he is there just like the air you're breathing right now. You can't see it. You can't smell it. You can't taste it. How do you know you're breathing it? Because you're still alive. And some of you may have been walking through the darkest seasons of your life. You're thinking, how is this even possible? How am I actually alive right now? It's because God's in it with you. Or take, for instance, the stars that you see at night. When you go outside and you look up at the stars, you only see a few hundred of them. You can't see them all, but guess what? They're all still there. In fact, if you go outside right now and the sky is clear and you look up, guess what? The stars are still there. You can't see them, but that doesn't mean they're not there. And the same is true for what God is doing in you. In your darkest hour, in the midst of the craziness of your pain, God is still there. 
Even if you can't see him or feel him or sense it or know it, all you have to do is just give it one more moment than just one more day and see what God will do in your life. Pain is too overwhelming. It hurts too much. God didn't cause it to you. And look at me in the eyes. You need to know that he's present in your pain. He's present in your pain. God's also patient in your pain. Maybe you're in this room and the pain that you feel, and in a few weeks we're going to talk about shame and regret. Maybe the pain that you feel is the collateral damage of your chronic poor choices are now catching up to you. And you're thinking, I just keep doing this. I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying and I just keep Falling back into it, look at me in the eyes, God is patient in that pain. I love the passage of scripture that's found in 2 Peter 3, 9. It says this, the Lord does not delay and is not tardy or slow about what he promises according to some people's conception of slowness. But he is long-suffering. I love how it says, extraordinarily patient toward you. Not desiring that any of you should perish, but that all should turn to repentance. He's patient in your pain. So he's there with you in your loss, in your brokenness. And just frankly, he's there with us in our stupidness. And some of you need to hear that today. Because even in walking into a church building, it's like that character from Peanuts that's got like the cloud or the flies. I may be making it up now, but just, not, just nastiness hanging over you. Is that real? Is that a real character? Linus? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And all you can see is the series of poor choices behind you. But look at me. God's not done writing your story yet. Hey, some of you are married to that individual and you're so frustrated, but you need to know God is patient with him or with her. He's refining something in you. He's doing something in your pain and he's doing something in them as well. What a powerful story. Look at me in the eyes. The greatest thing you can see through the midst of pain is God is constantly working a plan of redemption. And we all need that. None of us are past that. We need to know that God's plan of redemption, that there is redemption for me, there is grace for me, there is hope for me. And sometimes that word hope feels like a foreign language. But you need to know that there is hope for you. God wants to do something in you, in your pain, no matter how great it is. I want to share a few more things with you. But before I go any further, I want to pause right here in this moment in this service. And I want to talk to those of you who may be in this room and you feel like you fit into that chronic poor choices category. Like I constantly am driving a wedge between me and God. I feel so separated. I feel so far removed. I feel this vast chasm like the Grand Canyon is between me and God and I can't seem to connect and I want to find hope but all I find is my stupidity. I'll tell you the Bible talks about that gap. 
that separates us from what God wants to do in us. It's called sin. And everyone in this room has sin in our life. You do and I do. And there's a payment or a consequence for that sin that is so grave and sobering that there's nothing you and I can do about it. It's called death and an eternity in hell. But the Bible offers a radical solution called the gift of God through Jesus Christ. Who took on the form of a man, lived on this earth a sinless life. And died on the cross paying the ransom for your sins and mine. Close that gap. And there's nothing you can do to earn it. It's a free gift given to you. You just have to say, Jesus, I give you my life. Life doesn't get perfect, but it gets good. He begins to do a work in us and through us. But it starts with that declaration. In just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you're here today and you have never made that decision, look me in the eyes. Today is your day. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to get out of your church. It's not about being a member of this church. It's just saying, Jesus, I want to start over new with you. And if you're here today and you've been running from God, today's your day to come running back. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around, nobody moving. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you're here, just write in your own heart. You don't have to say it out loud. You don't have to, nobody's going to ask you to get out of your seat, but right where you're at, just repeat this prayer after me. Whether you're praying it for the very first time or you're saying, God, I want to come back and renew my commitment to you. If you're here and you, and that's you, just in your own heart, pray this prayer after me to say, God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me, that you've given me purpose. But God, I feel separated. I feel so far removed. I've got sin in my life. Would you forgive me? Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sin. He's all across this room. If that's you, heads bowed, eyes closed. Just make this statement with your heart. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. I want to share one more thing with you before we let you go. We're doing good on time. One more thing, and that's this. It's not just, when we walk through pain, it's not just the fact that God is with us. And it's not just about what God wants to do in us. But listen to me, look me right in the eyes. It's about what God wants to do through us. What he wants to do through the pain that we're walking through. Through our story. Through our testimony. And I want to tell you right now, at the Movement Church... We are never going to be a country club for Christians. We will always be a church who's focused on just getting a little bit more like Christ, just getting a little bit better so that, that keyword, so that we can go out and bring hope to a hopeless world. Over the next four weeks, we're going to unpack together as a church and journey through how do I navigate through the darkest times of my life? How do I work through this pain that I feel? How do I see God in the middle of it? And how do I see what he's doing in me? But look at me, we're not going to stop there. As we journey through this series called Shouts, allowing God to do something in us, I want to challenge you to go on a journey with us for a campaign called Give Hope so we can see what God wants to do through us.
On your way out today, I'm going to give you some practicals. We always do this. On your way out, you're going to receive a flyer like this and like this. And it's going to unpack exactly what that campaign looks like. And let me tell you why. There's an old Jewish folklore, a story about a, a woman who lost a child and she was inconsolable. She was so filled with grief and pain that she didn't know what to do or how to handle it or where to go. And the villagers would come over and, and they would hug and they would talk and they would listen and encourage. But she was filled with sorrow and pain to the point she was overwhelmed. And when she went to this healing man, this local guy who was known to to pray for people and they would be healed. And she said, please, can you take this sorrow? Would you pray that I would be healed, that the sorrow and pain would be gone? And the man turned to the woman and he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to every house in our village. And at every house where they don't have sorrow or pain, I want you to get a mustard seed from them and bring it back to me and I will create something for you that will take away your sorrow and your pain. So the woman got excited and she went out of the house and she thought immediately, I'm going to go to the wealthiest home in the best neighborhood because surely they don't have pain. And she went up to the largest house in their village and she knocked on the door and the lady opened the door and she said, hey, I'm here. I'm looking for a home that doesn't know sorrow or pain. And the woman who owned the wealthy and the large house said, please come in and let me tell you my story of sorrow because we are full of pain here. The story says that the woman in search of the mustard seed stayed at this mansion for four days listening to the stories of woe and pain. She left and said, I've got to go to the poorest home in the poorest village and She went to the house and knocked on the door and a man answered and she said, I'm looking for a home with no sorrow. He said, come in and let me tell you my story of pain. The story goes on to say that she went from house to house and in every home, regardless of their income, regardless of their nationality, regardless of their background, every home had a story of pain and of sorrow. And as she sat and she began to listen, something on the inside began to shift and she began to see how she could bring hope to the people who felt so hopeless. And after a few weeks of encouraging the people who have experienced sorrow and pain, she stopped searching for the mustard seed because in her search to find hope, she found it through giving hope. And look at me in this room right now, in the eyes, listen. I don't know what you came in with. I don't know what kind of pain you might carry on your shoulders. I don't know your background and your story, but I can tell you this. God's doing something and wants to continue doing something in you. But look at me. He also wants to do something through you. Don't just come over the next few weeks and just be a spectator. But I want to challenge you. Be a participator. Here's the things we're going to challenge you to do. There's three things. It's very clear on here. Number one, we're going to challenge you to follow us on a social media platform, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Now listen, if you don't have one, just get one for 30 days. Because we're going to push things out. We're going to give you challenges throughout the week to maybe buy a coffee for someone in line in front of you or make some baked goods and take it to a coworker or neighbor and just say, man, I want you to know somebody cares about you. We're going to push some blogs on how you can understand what God's doing in the middle of your pain. And we're going to push some articles. They're going to talk about things that are going on in our world. Because listen, it's too easy in this bubble of Orange County to turn a blind eye to everything that is happening. Do you know 
that last week 58,000 refugees left Syria to Greece fleeing atrocities. If you don't know that, it's time to know, people, because we've got to do something. Why? Because we're in the middle of pain? No, because God wants to do something through our pain. Are you with me? I want to challenge you to join us as we read. Number two is to read along with us in a reading plan in in the, the Bible app on your phone. As we experience what God has for us. All building up to one month from now. The third challenge, we're going to challenge you to give. We're going to take a special Give Hope offering. The last Sunday of this month and the first Sunday of December. Now, don't turn your ear off because I said offering and I'm a preacher. We do this every year, the very first weekend of Christmas season. We're going to remind ourselves that Christmas is about what Christ wants to do to give hope. And we're going to do a give hope offering to give hope to children in our world. This offering, 100% of this offering is going to go to give hope to children. We're going to adopt some families here in our neighborhood. Last year we adopted three. This year I want to adopt ten. And we just stockpiled their house with gifts for those kids because their families had nothing. Most of them weren't living with their parents. They were living with caretakers. Last year we wrapped them up. But this year we're taking it to the parents secretly or the caretakers and saying, you wrap it and give it to them on Christmas. Just take a picture and let us know. We want to bless some kids who have nothing. Right? And listen, in our backyard. Not 30 minutes up the highway, right here in our backyard. Another thing we're going to do with that is we're going to pump so much craziness into movement kids right across the hallway. We're going to take care of our kids right here in this church. We're going to make sure their curriculum is crazy. That the set designs for movement kids big is so gnarly that the kids will always want to come back. Because we're going to take care of kids in our home. Third, we're going to do a Christmas party for our feeding site in South Africa. They're going to rent inflatables for kids to eat one good meal a week because of you. A day, I'm sorry. We're going to rent inflatables and give Christmas gifts to these kids who live in remote village in South Africa. 100% of your offering is going to go to this. And I want to challenge you to be a part of this with us. Don't just be a spectator, but be a participator. And hey, listen, you might be going through the darkest season of your life, but I'm telling you right now, you watch what God will do in you as you allow him to do something through you as we give hope. Amen? Amen? Can we give God a hand clap for what he's doing in this place? Come on. Let's lift it up for what God's doing. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.